what's standing between you and earning $100 an hour in your spare time? It might just be a few intentional, strategic conversations. Let's start one of those now. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because the rat race doesn't need any more rats. In this episode, you'll hear how one Side Hustle Show listener found her niche, found her first clients, and continues to level up her impact and her income. I'm excited to introduce Sylvia Inks from smifinancialcoaching.com to the show. And as you listen in, pay attention to what I see as the common theme from this call, conversations plus action. Sylvia's strategies are ones you can apply immediately to launch or grow your existing business. Notes and links for this one, plus the full text summary with all of Sylvia's top tips are at sidehustlenation.com slash Sylvia. That's S-Y-L-V-I-A. Now, whether you're helping people with their finances, like you might have guessed Sylvia does from her URL, or providing some other type of service, you're going to need a reliable and professional way to get paid. One tool that helps me do that is our sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is the number one invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for side hustlers, freelancers, and consultants. Recommended by 97% of small business owners, this is the service I use when I need to invoice clients or advertisers, and I've been a customer for years. Side Hustle Show listeners can try it free for 30 days. There's no catch, no credit card required. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Sylvia after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. So I actually started what I knew best, which was personal finances. So I started going networking events and telling people, hey, I'm this personal financial coach. I can help busy professionals who are making six-figure salaries, but they don't know why there's no money at the end of the month. So because that's what I knew. I had friends that I had coached or given advice to over the years, and they were making good, healthy salaries, but they kept telling me they were still in debt, had student loan debts, et cetera. So I started going to the networking events, giving my 30-second elevator pitch, and all these small business owners that were also at these networking events came up to me and said, hey, I need help with my finances, but I don't, I'm don't. i not good with personal finances, but I'm also not good with my small business. And came to me and said, can you just help me with my business finances? Because it's not as personable. I don't have to involve my spouse. And whatever you teach me in my small business, I can transfer that knowledge over to my personal life. So really, it was actually going to networking events and talking to other entrepreneurs who were actually, my, I didn't realize at the time, my ideal customers. And they're the ones that actually reached out to me and asked me for help with their small business finances. Oh, interesting. So I was going in with one service in mind and coming out with a different other, kind of like letting the prospect, as it were, kind of guide the conversation and guide the, the eventual service that came out of that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's very similar. I mean, I saw small business owners that were great with their product or creating their service and delivering it, but then they weren't good with the numbers. And so they could look great on social media and could look like they have a lot of customers, lots of sales, but at, you know, behind the curtain, they are actually not making money. And they're like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And they had nobody to talk to because they found that their CPAs were doing their taxes, but wouldn't be able to give them advice on, hey, does your pricing look right? Or, hey, maybe you're spending too much money on these categories. Maybe you should dial it back. They were hoping to get that information from their CPA, but really that's not the CPA's job. Their their job is to look at your tax and do your taxes. And so it was this niche that I didn't realize didn't exist. Like, I'm not a financial advisor, so I'm not going to teach you how to invest your money in the stock market, 
but I'm not a CPA. I'm like, I'm in that in between. Interesting. So applying personal finance to a small business customer base, looking at profitability, looking at income expenses, looking at pricing and cash flows and all this stuff. That's really interesting how that kind of came about. And so those first clients were from kind of these one-on-one conversations, in-person networking events? Yes. I had almost half of my clients were from networking events. Everybody just kind of getting to know each other, tell people what you do. And I had people come up to me afterwards and said, I need your help. How did you figure out how much to charge for that? For the one-on-one coaching, I really just kind of looked at how much how much was I going to be happy with, right? Like how much I knew that I didn't want to charge by the hour. So I charged by the sessions, but I didn't want to do have to constantly be looking for new cu- customers every single time. So I c- created packages. So I had like a three-month package, a six-month package. I had one client who was, hey, I'm a go-getter. I really want to get this stuff done in a month. Can you give me something in a month? So I did tailor like an intensive package. But really, I found that you can't do anything in just one session. You, you're just getting to know the customer or the client. So I created packages and I just kind of looked at, okay, how much time am I spending prepping for the calls? How much time am I spending in the session? And how much time am I spending recapping? So really, I just kind of looked at, based off of that, how much was I going to be excited about when I came up those packages? Do you mind sharing what that hourly rate you had in mind was? I started off with at least 125 an hour. Okay. Was this on the side from a day job or is this kind of like, this is going to be my business? This is coming off of the fact that I left corporate America with a 10-year IT consulting career and stepped back to raise a family. I actually have a husband who was traveling 100% at the time. He was living in North Carolina, but traveling, he could be going to London every week or Seattle every week. So I needed to find something that was going to be local. And since I was in IT consulting as well, I actually left my company because it was 100% travel as well. Oh, geez. Yes. So it was 100% travel. So two traveling spouses does not equal having somebody being at home to raise the kids. So I actually took a step back from corporate America. And really, I just, after a year or two, I started getting bored, I guess is the right word to say. I was just feeling like I needed something where I was giving back, that I was building something. And I always knew I wanted to start my own business. I just didn't know what kind of business. Like I was always going to Barnes and Nobles, pouring through magazines, pouring through business books, trying to figure out like, what kind of business can I start? And I think that's what really held me back for the first couple of years was just trying to figure out what was I going to do. And then I finally, I actually took an online course that was talking about how do you come up with your business idea? And one of their advice was to just kind of poll your friends, like poll your friends, poll your colleagues, ask them, what do they see you as an expert in? What kind of advice do they tend to like come to seek you out for? And so I actually interviewed some friends, some previous colleagues, some previous manager and asked them what they thought I was good at. And that's how I actually kind of narrowed down into the financial coaching world. Interesting. So they, they didn't pick like this IT consulting world that you'd spend a decade of corporate career in. They said, oh, I think you, you're really good at this personal finance stuff. Yes, they said that I was great with finances and they said that I had great research skills. I had one friend who actually told me, she said, when I come to you for advice, she said, I know that the answer you give me that you've already done the due diligence. Like you've probably done, looked at four or five, six resources and spent hours finding that answer before you gave it to me. So they were like, I know that I don't have to do that research. Fair enough. And from there, it was the confidence to, to go to these networking events and say, look, I am your person. I can help you with this type of work. One interesting thing that we've talked about at FinCons in the past and, and over email 
is, you know, transitioning the marketing a little bit from these solo operator networking type events to being the person presenting at those events, to being the the person up on stage, establishing your expertise, your credibility in in a pretty meaningful way by speaking. Can you tell me about the, I don't know, like the confidence first to like raise your hand and say, yes, I'd like to volunteer as a speaker. Or did somebody ask you to do that? Curious how that went about. Twofold. I had one where I took a business planning course at a local community college because I knew that when I started my business, even though I wasn't looking for funding, I knew that one of the biggest reasons why small businesses fail is that they don't have a business plan. So I wanted somebody to walk me through that process. So I took a business planning course and the instructor actually, after it was done, he and I had kept in touch. He, I kind of seeked him out as a mentor. And as I grew my business, he actually one day emailed me and said, hey, I had a speaker, a financial speaker that bailed on me for this weekend and I want to have a guest speaker to my group. Would you like to speak to your ideal audience? There's going to be 15 to 20 students in the in the room. And if you could speak about finances, about fi- anything about finances related to your small business. So I jumped at that opportunity. I said, yes, I didn't have a signature. Pre- I didn't have a presentation put together, but I said, yes, I can do it. On like two days notice. <laughs> yes. On like two days notice. So I did the classic working on the presentation until midnight the night before, made all the classic mistakes about putting too much text, not enough visuals on it, et cetera, et cetera. But I did get up in front of my ideal audience and spoke at that event. How were you feeling at the end of that presentation? So I got some feedback from the my mentor, and he said it was a good presentation with lots of information, but he said that the presentation itself had too much data, too much text. Some of the pictures on there, he said, one of the visuals I had put on there, he said, was so tiny that it lost its effect. So he was like, so he basically gave me coaching and said, I think you should work on your PowerPoint presentation skills, like your visuals, et cetera. I didn't know what that looked like. I just felt like, oh, well, maybe that's just me. I kept working and kept working on it. And then I actually got introduced by a colleague to a PowerPoint presentation makeover coach. Essentially, she called herself, I think, a visualist. So she helps speakers turn their signature talk into a like engaging signature presentation that they could use over and over again at different talks. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I... Talked to her and she said she basically would interview me to figure out what tips that I would give. What was I an expert on? And she took that information and put together a signature talk for me that I could basically tailor to whether or not I had 15 minutes to talk to somebody, 30 minutes to talk to a group, or even an hour. So I tweaked it. I was able to modify the presentation and depending on how much time I had and could use that deck over and over again to whatever group I talked to. Okay. Very cool. And then the second big opportunity I got for speaking gigs, and this actually led to paid speaking gigs for me, was right after I had launched my book, I reached out to the same local community college that I had taken that business planning course from. And I reached out to the director and said, hey, I just launched my book. I wanted to see if this would be something, could I speak at an upcoming seminar? Like I could do the following types of topics. And she was very interested that I had a book that I could show to people and that I was a published author. So she said, yes, give me the bullet points of what people could take away from your talk and let's go from there. So I did that and just so happens that she was in the middle of planning the following semester's seminars. And so she put me on the slot for two seminars and paid me for two seminars. Oh, wow. Now you're getting paid to do this stuff. Yes. So then I was getting paid. 
And then just so happens, because she had already talked to me, there was two other groups that actually reached out to her and said, hey, we need to have a guest speaker for the month of August, or I think April at the time. And do you know somebody that can talk about finances? And so she said, oh, as a matter of fact, I do. Like She was like, and she sent over my signature talk bullet points and the takeaways, and those people hired me as well. So I actually got three other speaking gigs because of uh, from this first speaking opportunity. Wow, that's a, that's a good illustration of how things can snowball with the right network, with the right, you know, once you're getting in front of the right people. And of course, you know, making sure that the, the talk is, is good and valuable. The book Sylvia mentioned is Small Business Finance for the Busy Entrepreneur. You can find it at smallbusinessfinancebook.com. Did you end up finding clients from these or is it like, hey, now I'm getting paid to talk? Who cares about getting clients anymore? I did, actually. So I actually had a few follow-on non-paid gigs that I had afterwards, and I actually booked three clients from those non-paid speaking gigs. Because these prospects were sitting in a seminar, listened to my signature talk, they already got to know, like, and trust me because they saw all the information that I could give them. And so by the time they reached out to me and wanted to talk about hiring me for one-on-one coaching... I kind of already leaped that hurdle of the no like and trust factor. They already heard me for about an hour. So really, they were already ready to sign on the dotted line. And we're like, when can we start? Okay, yeah. This is similar to what we heard from Joshua Lysak a few years ago on the podcast. He was doing, I, f- I forget what, even like copywriting or you know web design, web development for small business owners. And his you know similar strategy, like how can I get in front of my target audience? In his case, it was going after... I think accounting firms because they like were already doing business with his target customer, like local local small businesses. And he'd give his presentation and the seven deadly sins that you're probably making with your website or something like that. Get the audience nodding along, like, oh, we're totally guilty of that. Right. And then at the end, no pitch, no like press here to buy my thing. But at the end, people are coming up and giving him their business cards. Oh, we gotta talk. We gotta set up a meeting. Just because he had spent that hour, like you said, establishing that credibility. And similarly, it sounds like in this financial coaching space, it's like, okay, here are the broad strokes that you're probably going to need to know. But then for people who want the one-on-one, it's always going to be personalized, individualized. And that's where it makes sense to say, okay, we got we to gotta work with Sylvia directly. Is that what you found? Yes, because what I'm, do- what I'm giving them in the signature talk, my signature talk, is the what. What are the big tips that they need to know that they should be doing in their business? But I'm not necessarily giving them the how. Like I might give them the tools that will help them, but then they want to know, well, how do I use this tool? Or how does this apply to me? Or I've got some nuances. I'm not really sure if this really applies to me. So really those clients that reach out, they want that interactive, you know, somebody looking and tailoring it and customizing it to them. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. 
So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Any other advice for coming up with this presentation, <laughs> I'm picturing like, and that was the reason for the silence. I'm picturing all the different niches or freelancing businesses, service businesses, consulting businesses that this strategy could be applied to. And that framework of like talking about the what and not necessarily the how, I think is really important and potentially really powerful. The curious, I don't know how deep in the weeds we want to get here, but like the structure of the presentation is such that... <laughs> Um, I'll let you let you riff on that for a minute. Yeah, I can talk about that. What I found was that most people like to hear secrets or the top tools or, you know, people like to hear actionable tips. So my signature talk is, you know, the seven secrets to financial success for small business owners. So if I've got an hour to talk to a group, I'll give all seven tips. But if I only got about 30 minutes, I might only do five tips. And then sometimes when I'm only given, depending on the group, they might only give their guest speakers 10 to 15 minutes to talk. I'll only share three. So really, it's the same signature talk, but I am able to pick and choose which one of the nine tips that I have, which ones am I going to share? Do I have time to give three, five, or seven? So really, when I hired my presentation coach, she actually helped me build a deck of nine to 10 tips, and then I will tweak it based off of the audience. So sometimes I'll actually even reach out to the organ when I'm getting hired by the organizer, I'll ask them, hey, what's the background of the audience? Are they new entrepreneurs? Are they existing? They've been in business for a while. I'll just kind of get some background of the audience. And sometimes based off their response, I might tweak which tips that I show. Do you make a call to action at the end? Like, hey, if you want to work with me, here's my number? Or is it kind of left unspoken and people come up to you afterwards? It's left unspoken because if you got to be careful, a lot of the groups don't like to be sold to. They don't want somebody saying throughout the entire presentation, hey, hire me or hey, buy my book or type thing. In some places, they actually have some rules where you can't sell directly from the front of the room. So I think that's where having a book, I think, has been really great as a speaker because I can show my books. Sometimes they'll allow me to sell it after the fact. Or I can just show a copy and say, hey, people will ask me, where do I, where can I find your book? And so I'll direct them to Amazon. So really, I think that if you are concentrating on trying to provide great value and sharing your information, I think naturally people are going to come up to you. Like if you hit on a pain point that they have, 
my signature talk at the very beginning, I'll say, hey, these are three common things that I see small business owners struggle with. Sometimes I'll ask the leading question of the room and I'll say, hey, which ones are you currently struggling with? And so as people are kind of naturally nodding their heads and saying, yeah, that's something that I struggle with or, oh gosh, I don't have a tool that addresses this problem, then people are going to come up to you naturally. They're either going to get on your email list afterwards. If you've got a call to action there, you can at least direct people to your website. Or if you've got a book, you can either, like I said, depending on the group, you may be able to sell your book at the back of the room after the talk or direct them to Amazon. But really just having a natural way where people are going to want to follow up with you as opposed to directly selling from the front of the room. Sure. Continue that conversation in a way that is natural in a way that makes sense for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually even found that after I spoke at an event, I was not paid for this, but I was allowed to mention my book and people came up to me for the book afterwards. And then as I continue to go to the same networking event, that I would just bring a couple of copies of the book with me and I'll just lay them in front of my where I'm sitting. And I don't reach out to anybody. I don't market it to people, but I have people that will come up to me, look and see that I have a book and say, oh yeah, I didn't buy a book from you last week. I really want to buy a copy of your book. So I'll also do that at events and just kind of have those books on hand. Yeah, it's been said that the, the book is the ultimate business card and it sounds like you're using that very effectively as well. I actually want to get back to the book in a minute, but curious if you have an estimate of what these talks have been worth to you in terms of like the the amount of client work that they've booked. Yes, yeah, so I when I hired the presentation makeover coach, so the person that did my signature talk for me, that investment was just shy of a thousand dollars, so roughly about nine hundred some dollars. And at the time, that was a lot of money. But I knew that it was something that I wasn't good at and I needed her help to make it where it was an engaging presentation. So I was able to make that money back in speaking fees in three speaking gigs. So within three speaking paid speaking gigs, I was able to get that money back, investment back. And then with that, I was able, like I said, for the events that I was able to sell books directly at, I probably made almost about the same amount of money. So probably just just shy of $900 in book sales. That's a lot of books. Yeah. So after the fact, so back of the room sales. And then in terms of client revenue, this is the one that I'm the most happy about. I mean, I made about seven times what I put in for the Signature Talk investment. Like I said, it's these clients that come in and they already know you, right? They, When you get on the consultation call, you're not really selling. It's just kind of reaffirming what they heard, what they think that you can help them with, and they're ready to get started. So I, I can share some stats in terms of how many were paid versus non-paid. So about 25% of my, my speaking gigs have been paid and 75% have been unpaid. Are you proactively seeking new gigs, new groups to speak in front of, new events to that happen to be local to to do this type of thing? I'm actually not outwardly doing this. A lot of this has been coming, people have been coming to me. So my most recent talk that I gave, the organizer actually had heard me speak at another event three years ago. So it was just kind of interesting where she, it was, she was now in an opportunity where she was in charge of bringing in guest speakers. And she said, I remember your talk being really, really informative. I've, I'm in charge of bringing in guest speakers for my group. Would you speak to our group? So really, mine's been more word of mouth. Like a lot of the people that I interact with are in multiple networking groups and they're in networking groups that always have guest speakers. Like they're either in groups that meet monthly or weekly. And so they're always a need for guest speakers because they're always trying to provide value to their group. 
And so really, I've had people just kind of reach out to me because they know that I give a very engaging presentation. So for them, they I've had people seek out to me. Was it through like meetup.com or is, how did you originally find these networking groups? First one I uh, mentioned was that local small business community college. So that one was probably where it all started. And then the others were colleagues that were speakers themselves. So all the, who also have been in the community, been paid to speak. And so as they are trying to provide value to the groups, a lot of times they'll say, Hey, are, are you looking for other speakers? And when they say, yes, we're looking for somebody that wants, that can talk about finances. My name gets brought up and that's introductions are made. And that's how I end up getting those speaking gigs as well. Yeah. Perfect. In kind of this B2B service space. And I imagine perfect for building a local network. If your previous job was 100% travel, maybe not the best in-person network locally. And that's something that I kind of feel the same way. When I go to conferences, you can't walk down the hall without knowing a handful of people, which is like an awesome feeling. I do not get that at all in, in my hometown. And I think perhaps doing more of this kind of like proactive outreach, speaking, like becoming an expert in your local community is a way to build that local network. So my, my gears are, are turning a little bit, even though I don't have like a B2B service type of offering to have at the back of the room. Now, you mentioned you're building your email list. Is that something as, as simple as like, hey, hit up this landing page if you want to learn more, or like, I'll send you my lead magnet if you go here, like, or is it like text to this number, like during the presentation, like here's how you are getting that done mechanically from the stage? So I wasn't as sophisticated as that at the beginning. So I literally sent, like handed out a sign-up sheet. I just said, hey, pass around. Here's your name. Put your name and email address if you want to be added to the list. So that was super basic. Or you could try the business cards in a bowl. Like put your business card in and I'll going to draw. And the first person that I draw, will, I'll give a free book to. So I try to do it that way as well. But then I've gotten better over the years and I've did the landing page, as you mentioned. So if you give something that's easy for people to remember and say, hey, by the way, if you want the notes from this talk, or if you want this freebie that is related to what we talked about here today, here's my landing page. And I found that's really great because that way you can get direct them to your website. They can download a free gift, your notes from the talk, and be added to your email list. Is that what you typically do? Like, if you want to, if you want a copy of the slides, you go here. Like, curious what the giveaway is if the talk is the seven secrets to small business financial success. So I actually don't give away the copy of my slides because my slides are so visual that there's it, notes it that they would get from the slide. It wouldn't make a lot of sense. But I actually do give people handouts, printed handouts for when they walk into the presentation. So what I learned that most people are more more engaged if they're not having to busy, like they're not busy writing down every single thing you say. So I actually give people a handout and I'll give them a handout and basically do fill in the blank. So that way they're staying engaged. So they're not writing down everything that I say and they are paying attention because they know that, hey, there's seven slides here because she's got seven slots for me to fill in the blank. Yeah, removes removes the guesswork. Keep people paying attention. Yes. And sometimes they'll catch me too. They'll be like, oh, you didn't say the exact, you know, what was the answer to slide whatever, five or tip number five, depending on where the conversation goes. Then I don't always remember to like give the exact tool or the exact tip. And so sometimes they'll, they'll catch me on that too. Oh, okay. I like that. So instead of putting all the text on the slide, it's like, no, you're going to have to listen. You're going to have to pay attention. Oh yeah, absolutely. Every, all my slides, it's all visual. There is no text. So I learned my lesson that way where it's, 
people just react better to like a picture. Like I have one picture where it's like, don't try to do it all. One thing that we're all guilty of as small business owners trying to wear so many hats. And so I have a picture of somebody who's work burning. You can see visually burning the midnight oil in front of a computer with her, you know, hands, her head in her hands. People tend to react better to that. But then on the handout, I'll have on there, don't try to, I'll say blank, right? And so people will know, don't try to do it all. Yeah, absolutely. One of the toughest parts about starting and growing your business is figuring out how to build relationships. As you know, people are more likely to buy from and do business with people they know, like, and trust. But when it comes to networking, where do you start? And what if you're more introverted like me? What if you're more wallflower than social butterfly? Well, there's a recent episode of a great podcast called This is Small Business that walks you through how to figure this stuff out. The episode is called How Networking Can Help You Build and Grow Your Business and Inside You'll learn practical tips on how to build business relationships that don't feel so transactional. A couple parts I liked in particular were how to break into those uh, tight little circles at networking events where you're kind of standing around awkwardly on the outside, and then what you should say in a follow-up email to somebody that you meet there. This is Small Business answers a ton of these questions that all entrepreneurs have, like how to use social media to grow your business, how to find your ideal price point, how to know when you're ready to launch your product, and tons more. So give it a follow. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. That means whether you're just starting out or your side hustle is already growing like crazy, Squarespace takes all things website-related and makes them easy. I want to highlight a few Squarespace features for you. One I knew about and a couple I didn't. First off, where Squarespace really shines is this huge library of professional website templates. That means you're not starting from scratch because they've got designs for every category and use case that you can customize to fit your unique needs so your business stands out online. That was the thing I knew about. Second one was new to me, and that's their online store functionality. Whether you're selling physical or digital products or a service, Squarespace has got the tools you need to start selling online. And third is their email campaigns. They make it easy to collect email subscribers from your site and drive engagement and sales through Squarespace email campaigns, and you can track the results of every send with built-in analytics. So head on over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash side hustle to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash side hustle. Tell me about the book. So Small Business Finance for the Busy Entrepreneur. This came out in late 2016. And it sounds like, okay, I can make money selling the book, but perhaps more so I can make money selling my service on the back of the book. Curious how that has worked out for you over the last almost three years. Yes. So I've had some clients that have reached out to me who have read my book. They said, hey, great book, had a lot of great information, but I just want to hire you for one-on-one coaching because I just want to, I would rather see and hear things customized to me. So I've been doing one-on-one coaching for right now, and I've realized that there's an in-between step that's missing. And so this year I'm working on an online course. So taking all the information I put in the book, but making it more visual and interactive through an online course. On the book thing, are people discovering it through Amazon or they, you know, they're hearing you talk? Or like, how are people like first coming into the Sylvia ecosystem? Most of the people are finding me either through Amazon or a colleague recommended it to them. 
And then third one, this one was surprising to me. I actually had a reader on my email list and I engaged back on a email marketing campaign that I sent out and I asked her, how did she hear about me? And she said through her college course that there was actually a university a professor at the University of Georgia who was using my book as a textbook for their small business finance class. And you didn't even know about it? And I didn't know about it. Whoa. So I actually had to like go and look up the professor and reached out to her and said, hey, I heard you were using my book. Would love to hear your feedback. And so, yes. So it was interesting that I found out through a reader that she was using my book as a textbook. That's awesome. I guess maybe some bulk sales <laughs> through that and yes. credibility on a higher education platform. Very cool. Yes, I haven't really focused that too much on that, but I should. I, I had another professor in Virginia that reached out to me that asked for a a desk copy of the book because he was planning to use my book for his finance class as well. What do you do when you get those messages? I reached out to our FinCon community and said, how do I respond to this person? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I was happy to give him a desk copy. I just didn't know how to like respond appropriately to him, and but I did. I went through their network of FinCon colleagues who have also been in that same situation was able to respond back to him and gave him a desk copy. And he did a class with, I think, 10 students and they all bought my book. And he actually gave me some ideas for future content as well. Okay, awesome. I think this is a perfect illustration of just like putting your expertise out into the world and you never know who's going to come upon it and, and what, what might come of that. Another former guest on the show, Alex Ginadinik, shared that his book, I think on business planning, was being used in a handful of different university courses now. And it's like, that's just awesome, you know, from a, from a self-published book. So very exciting stuff. Sylvia, so, yeah, so the, there's the book, there's the, the speaking gigs, there's the local networking stuff, and getting paid to speak. Awesome. Are there any other marketing tactics that have worked to drive revenue for you to grow the business to this point? Referral marketing. So working with partners, natural partners that are working with your ideal customer, but maybe not in the same exact way. So I have a coach that I'm also, that I'm partners with where she sells coaching by packages. People will buy 15 to 20 coaching sessions with her, but every once in a while she'll realize that they need help with finances and she, she's not the expert on finances. So I actually, we've got a partnership where basically kind of like a subcontractor where she'll give them two or three of their sessions with her and they work with me. So I actually didn't have to go find those customers and they're not long-term clients, but then those are people who are already motivated. They're already doing coaching somewhere else with her and they're, they just need some help or somebody to look at their finances. And so really I didn't have to do any marketing there. She just gave them to me and they're ready to go. Okay. And in exchange for that referral, are you giving her a percentage of your fee? Yes. I'm giving her a cut. Okay. It goes the other way as well. Like if you find somebody who needs help with her area of expertise, you can pass people along to her. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Like a, a affiliate marketing for service businesses type of thing. Okay. Yes. Yes. So a referral. All right. And you mentioned the course as well. So this is kind of a transition from one-to-one. -one. It sounds like this business started out very much one-to-one. -one. I can help you. Let me, let me take a look at your, your small business finances. Let me see if I can work through some of the issues that you may be having. First, let me package this up into a book, both as an incremental revenue stream, a business card, a lead generator, and that's going from one to one to one to many. Now I can reach a lot of people with this message. 
But then taking it the next level or maybe stepping up the value chain a little bit, let me take that and take the content from the presentations from the book and turn that into a course in an attempt. Like, Do you want to get out of the one-on-one work or is it just like, okay, here's another incremental revenue stream. Maybe they can't afford me one-on-one. Maybe they could afford the course instead. Yes. It's definitely folks that can't afford the one-on-one coaching or don't necessarily have the time and they want to be able to do it at their own pace. So definitely the course is the best way that I see that I can help many entrepreneurs at the same time, where I can package the information from the book as well as package information I do during my one-on-one coaching and put it in a way where it's more accessible and people can do it at their own pace. All right. This is at smifinancialcoaching.com slash finances 101. Coming soon. You want to give us a sneak preview, actually? I bet, I bet people are curious, like, well, shoot, what are the small business seven secrets or like the financial mistakes that we're probably making? I'm curious, like what, like, from all the clients that you work with, like what are the one or two biggest red flags <laughs> that you see coming in as a, as a third party? Yes. Biggest red flag is people discounting. So I think a lot of people use discounts as a marketing tactic, but they haven't done the numbers to understand that what is their cost of goods sold or cost of services, right? So a lot of times I've actually walked a client through and her, what she thought was just a 15% discount, she actually made no money at the end of the day just by giving away 15% discount because she hadn't done all the numbers. So even though she was selling a $600 product, which she thought, oh, okay, I can afford a 15% discount, she didn't realize all the time and material and labor that went into the delivering that product. And when we ran all those numbers, she realized that she actually gave away the product for free. So she actually lost money. So I think that's the the danger. Number one is that people use discounts as their marketing tactic when they haven't actually done the numbers. Is there a point where discounting does make sense? For small business owners, I really don't see that it makes a lot of sense because you're not, you can't compete with the big corporations who can take a big hit on or making up in volume, right? So if you're a small business owner, really your what your unique proposition, I think, is your your services, your Basically, your customer service, essentially, right? So that's why they're hiring you versus a big box company. All right. So discounting as a marketing tactic without having run your numbers. Anything else that sticks out from your your client conversations? Yes. And number two is not feeling like you don't have the money to invest in an accounting tool. So I have clients who say they can't afford an accounting tool or are paying for one that they don't know how to use. There's ones that are a lot more complicated and they feel like they have to use it because that's what their CPA uses, but they never open it. So really they're never looking at their numbers. So having an accounting tool is a must-have for every small business owner. So making sure that you budget for that from day one. And the tool that I like the most is FreshBooks, especially if you're a service-based entrepreneur. So it doesn't work quite as well if you're an inventory-based, if you've got inventory and sell products but as a service-based entrepreneur, FreshBooks is my go-to resource for. Well, I didn't pay you to say that, but they've been a longtime sponsor of the Side Hustle show. So Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm aware. So that's good, that's good. Sylvia Inks, smifinancialcoaching.com. Check her out, check out the book at smallbusinessfinancebook.com. Really appreciate you joining me and awesome to see how this business of yours is kind of blossomed from kind of a ground, what do you call it? Ground, grassroots, ground floor, whatever it is, just one-on-one conversations and saying, yeah, I can, I can do that. I'm actually, my friends say I'm pretty good at this stuff. Let's, let's put a price tag on it and go to town. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. 
My number one tip is for you to build a signature presentation. So figure out what are you an expert in and come up with three, five, and seven tips that you could share and start researching and networking where you can share those tips with. So look up chamber commerces, look up meetup groups, look up professional organizations, and start getting out there to share your expertise. Awesome. Really appreciate you joining me, and we'll catch up with you soon. Couldn't have planned it any better than for our sponsor, FreshBooks, to get an unsolicited plug in there. So thank you to Sylvia for highlighting the importance of a reliable accounting system. And big thank you to FreshBooks for supporting the show. FreshBooks, as you may know, is the award-winning cloud-based invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for small business owners, freelancers, and side hustlers. This is the service that I rely on when I need to invoice clients or advertisers, and it's guaranteed to keep you way more organized than that proverbial shoebox filled with receipts, provided that you actually use it. I actually participated in a small business accounting focus group earlier this year, and the moderators were asking everybody about their bookkeeping systems, and I was really surprised to hear that my fellow participants were seriously using the shoebox method. I was like, come on, it's 2019, folks. I know they're missing out on deductions, and curious how they know how profitable they are month to month. So moral of the story, don't do that. Get your financial systems in order on both the revenue and expense side of the business with the help of FreshBooks. It's got some helpful tools built in for both of those. Side Hustle Show listeners can try it free for 30 days. There's no catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle. All right, my top three takeaways from this call with Sylvia Number one is niche selection. And there were a couple components to this. The first was asking friends or colleagues for insights into our skills and perceived expertise. Sometimes we really take for granted what we know and what we're good at. So getting an outside opinion is really helpful. Like, what's your superpower? You might not know until you ask. The second thing was the quick pivot that happened as a result of talking to real prospects. Remember, She introduced herself as a personal finance coach. Oh, that's great, but I could really use some help with my business finances. That was the response. Sure, I can do that. In the beginning, there's this vague sense of service area and target client, and that's a great place to start, but super important to being fluid and flexible and open to where there's actually demand. Where do those conversations take you? So at the top of the show, I mentioned that the the common theme here was conversations plus action. Takeaway number two is the four key conversations I think Sylvia had and took action on that made some big impact on her business. The first was asking those friends, peers, colleagues what she was good at. That's what pointed her to finances in the first place. The second conversation was asking real people what they needed the most help with through those in-person networking events. All the business planning and theory in the world can't hold up the value of real one-on-one conversations with potential customers. And when you're first starting out, these conversations don't have any pressure associated with them because you really don't have anything to sell. You might have an idea of what you'd like to sell or uh, where you might be able to help, but you're trying to figure out what pains or problems the person you're talking to has. And if there's a match to your skills, how you might be able to make those pains, problems go away. Conversation number three, was saying yes when Sylvia was asked to speak on short notice. Public speaking is like super common fear for most people. And I imagine 
Sylvia felt the same butterflies and nervousness that most of us do, but she pushed past that and it was a game changer for her. And then conversation number four that I took away from this was opening the door to strategic partnerships. This was the referral arrangement that Sylvia had set up with another complimentary service provider, and I likened it to offline affiliate marketing. The important thing to note here is that it's a win for all parties. It's incremental business for you, the client gets help they need, and your referral partner looks like a hero because they made a helpful introduction. Every one of these four conversations is one you could have this week. And if you haven't yet, I encourage you to do so and see what comes from them. And takeaway number three for me is what I'll call the triple dip. Did you catch how Sylvia was able to earn money in at least three different ways from one presentation? I thought this was pretty cool. She said she sometimes gets paid to speak, and it sounded like those fees were typically in the $250 to $500 range, which is awesome. While she was there, people often bought her book. So that was revenue stream number two. And some members of the audience found her information compelling enough to reach out for one-on-one personalized coaching, income stream number three. Could you set yourself up for a similar triple dip in your business? I really liked that one. Once again, notes and links from this episode, along with the full text summary with all of Sylvia's top tips from the call, are at sidehustlenation.com slash Sylvia. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Is there a more dreaded question than what's for dinner? Meal planning and eating well to hit your nutrition goals doesn't have to be complicated. Our sponsor, Factor, makes it easy by sending delicious, ready-to-eat, chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals right to your door. Every week, you've got over 35 different menu options to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie options, and more. Some personal favorites of ours so far have been the garlic mushroom chicken thighs and the Indian butter tofu. These are restaurant-quality meals ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. It's the perfect easy button solution for busy side hustlers and couples. And it's not just dinner either. Factor has nutrient-packed snacks, smoothies, breakfasts, and more. And hey, plans change, which is why you can scale up or down your meals or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash sidehustle50 and use code sidehustle50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. That's code sidehustle50 at factormeals.com slash sidehustle50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. Big thanks to Factor for sponsoring the show.